0: Wow, it's a good reminder that we are set free, that Christ died for us to set us free from death, from hell, from the grave, from sin, and even from the devil's schemes against us. And I just, man, I want to encourage you to be free. Like, I know that when we gather on a Sunday morning, we are all dealing with junk, and everybody's in a different spot in your journey, but man, I encourage you today to live free in Christ. If you don't know Christ, if you've never surrender your life to Him, then let that happen today. Let today be the moment when you make the decision that you're going to yield your will to God's will. You're going to call on Him for salvation and that for the rest of your journey, you want to walk in the footsteps of Christ. You want to make your life count and live for the glory of God. Um, Eli, where are you? Eli, man, we're so proud to celebrate with you. Congratulations to you and your family. We're excited for you. Um, Ash, Ash, we're excited for you and your family, so congratulations and thanks for celebrating baptism today. Uh, Fun for me is today we'll have a third baptism in our evening service, so if you guys join us, now we're still meeting in the fellowship hall, but we're going to come over, you'll see why, I've got a plan, but we're going to start in the fellowship hall tonight at five, but we will celebrate baptism tonight too with a member of our group, and so I hope you guys will come out and just celebrate again with us tonight at five. What a good day to celebrate three lives being marked and sealed by the Lord and I hope you remember the day that you gave your life to Christ and again if that hasn't happened for you now's the time don't wait another day the Lord in heaven loves you today I want to ask you to imagine with me what your life would be like if you could somehow change your affections if you could change your internal desires Like the heartbeat of your inner being so that you craved good and not evil, that instead of running to sinful pleasures, you ran to the Lord. Instead of being self-centered or selfish, instead of loving ourselves all the time, what if you could love God with all your heart and carry out His commands? What would the next 40 years look like for you, for the people around you, the folks that work with you, for the people in your household? Like how different would our lives be if our hearts belonged entirely to God? Now, for some of you, especially for some of our college students and high schoolers and middle schoolers, man, it's easy to imagine. I mean, just imagine two different paths for your life, almost like two different journeys that you could choose to walk. Yeah, in a one, you're going to chase after all the things that the world tells you to prioritize. You're going to prioritize money or fame or power or self-esteem. Maybe you're going to prioritize good things or bad things, but you're going to chase after all the dreams and whims of the world. But the other path for you is different. And it's, it's, it's straight, it's narrow, it's rarely walked. But that other path for you would be a path where you followed God from now until forever. Where you asked the Lord to rule over you. And you were willing to turn your back on your own pride, on your own selfishness, and on the sin that surrounds us. You would... You would give up a lot of things on that path. Oh, but you would gain a lot of things on that path. Well, in the month of June, the sermons that I'm going to be preaching to you will come from Proverbs. And I've called the sermon series, Walking with the Wise, because this metaphor dominates the book of Proverbs. That there are really two paths. That you and I can be prideful fools and fight God until our dying day. Or... We can give ourselves to His love and His will for us. We can follow His commands for the wisdom they are. And we can live a life that is blessed. Not free from suffering, but richly blessed. And throughout the book of Proverbs, we have the two paths before us, right? The path of the fool, or the path of the wise man. And don't be deceived. Sometimes a fool can look a lot like me or you. Let's be careful. We want to walk with the wise. I want to read a, kind of a theme verse for me, which is from Proverbs uh, thirteen, twenty-three. In Proverbs thirteen twenty-three, we are reminded: "This walk with the wise, and become wise. For a companion of fool, for a companion of fools, suffers harm." Throughout the book of Proverbs, I want to invite you to walk with the wise. You have a book that is filled with the counsel of God's wisdom. Jesus taught many of these teachings to his disciples. Some of these teachings are recirculated in the New Testament, and no doubt they've impacted your life. In fact, they've impacted all of our lives. I thought a fun way for us to dive in deep to the book of Proverbs is that I would challenge the church family this month to start reading it. Read the book of Proverbs for yourself. Now, you may or may not choose to pick up this habit, but here's a habit that I have for Proverbs. One of the beautiful things about this book is it is packed with so many little nuggets, so many one-liners or, or short sayings that are, are really wonderful, but they're stacked one on top of the other, so much so that at their depth, you lose sight sometimes of what you've read. So here's my tip. I want to encourage you to sort of develop your own key. Like Get a little index card and start to find themes in the book of Proverbs. Words, for example. Proverbs says a lot about words. It says a lot about sex. It says a lot about work and laziness. It says a lot about accepting correction. It tells children a lot about how to behave. So the book of Proverbs has lots of themes that are repeated. Well, as you read it and you find some of these themes that are important to you, make a little key. You know, for example, for you, uh, you know, a cash sign might equal money. And so when it comes to a teaching about money, just write that in the margin. It says a lot about care for the poor, the orphan, the widow. So when you come across a verse about the poor, maybe a P in the margin. But create your own little key for reading Proverbs. And for the rest of your life, when you go back through this treasure of wisdom, you'll be able to quickly find some of the things that you're dealing with and you're looking for. Now, another way that I want to reinforce this wonderful book in our lives is I've asked the church staff to identify some of their favorite Proverbs. And during the weeks when we're not gathering for church, Monday through Friday, of course we gather on Wednesday, but through Monday through Friday, we're going to put on our Facebook page little short videos uh, from church staff members, some of the interns that you don't know so well, and some of the rest of us that you probably know better than you want to and are tired of us. But you'll see little video blurbs where we'll share a proverb that means a lot to us and why. And so as a church, let's journey through Proverbs together. Now today, I want to call you to the heart of the matter, literally. Today, I want to call you to a proverb that could change your life forever. I want to ask you to read Proverbs chapter 4 with me. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to begin reading with verse 20. I love the sound of your pages turning. And I know I don't hear your digital pages, but I'm sure that they're turning as well. Now, as I read this proverb, I want you to hear that in this, in this rich little moment, there's a reference to a person giving their whole self to the Lord. Their eyes, their lips, their, their, their hands, their feet, their body. So you'll catch all those, all those little references, but then I want to speak to you about what matters most. Verse 20, here we go. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Some of your translations say it is the wellspring of life. Uh, Others say everything issues from it. Verse 24, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways do not turn to the right or to the left keep your foot from evil that's a good little reminder and I guess I would say to all of us the kids and everybody in the church yeah let's protect ourselves from sin one of the one of the things that the book of Proverbs is going to teach you is that the fool's path is marked by an awful lot of sin but what if we did guard our eyes so that our eyes had a covenant with us and we made a covenant with God that our eyes wouldn't look at anything unwholesome, that we wouldn't watch things we shouldn't watch, that we wouldn't look at pornography, that we wouldn't stare and linger too long at things we shouldn't have seen. What if we had a covenant with our eyes and were able to protect ourselves from a heart of sin by training our eyes not to look at sin? What if we trained our feet so that our feet didn't walk off towards sin? That our feet didn't walk away with people that we know were headed off to uh, cause trouble? Like what if our feet could keep us where we needed to be? What if our feet refused to sin? So, I mean, I can I almost imagine you say, sure, man, I'll go. Uh, I I can't go. I guess I got to stay here. Y'all have a good time, man. You know, what if our feet like would not let us race off to sin? What if our ears heard no sin and our mouths uttered no sin? What if our mouths were like forced tomorrow to stop sinning? Can you imagine like in your household, if you stopped the arguing between a husband and a wife or some of just the belligerent arguing between your siblings, between sisters and brothers? What if we said all the mean words wouldn't come out? Like, if the only thing we could say, like Ephesians 4, you know, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up, that it may be according to their needs, so it can benefit those who listen. What if tomorrow your mouth couldn't say gossip at all? You couldn't spread slander or gossip or stir dissension? We probably wouldn't be able to talk about politics anymore at all. What if, what if tomorrow your, your mouth wouldn't allow you to cut somebody down or insult a person? Like, what if your mouth wouldn't let you say prideful or arrogant words starting tomorrow? You know, what if your mouth, starting tomorrow, would not allow you to speak words that would stir an argument? Wouldn't that be cool? I would, I would go for that. So, as the wisdom of Proverbs is spoken here over the whole body, it's almost as if this wise teacher is calling all of us to train our bodies for the path of wisdom. And the path of wisdom is that we will say no to sinful impulse and sinful pleasure, say yes to God. And sometimes we have to give up some immediate gratification, like some, I want to feel good now. But the result is we have this entire life where we're surrounded by wisdom and peace and relationships that are strong and healthy. Hey, it's good. I'd walk that road. But the core of this proverb is that you should guard your heart. So chapter 4, verse 23, it's almost like I would be guarding my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my feet if I could guard my heart. The the proverb says that everything that I do flows out of my heart. So if I could protect my heart, like if I could guard my affections, well, then I would have started a covenant with my eyes. Then my eyes would turn away from the unhealthy look that would linger too long. My mouth would shun the gossip that soils the earth and everybody's ears, right? Like if I could get my heart right, if if I could make sure that my heart was right, then everything else would just sort of start clicking and falling into place. Let's read Proverbs 4, 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. For the Hebrew author of this text, just like for us, the heart is a a symbol for your inner being, for your mind your affections, your feelings, your passions, your desires. It's what drives you. I, I guess you could think of it as your soul or your mind. but It is you. It's the inner you. And so this guy says, guard your heart, your affections, your desires, your thoughts. You know, Jesus had a few things to say about your heart. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus was talking to some hypocrites, some guys who... Um, who looked like some of us on some of our worst days. They were religious leaders whose hearts were far from God. And so outwardly, they looked good and religious, but inwardly, they were hypocritical. I've been that guy before. You've probably been that person before. Let's not be that person again. But in Luke chapter 6, here's what Jesus said about the heart, about what's on the inside, about that place that's so hard for you and I to get to. This is what he said about the heart. In Luke 6, 45, he says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And then he said this, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The way that you and I are used to hearing that is in Matthew's version where he says, From the overflow of the heart... The mouth speaks. And I just want to keep translating that farther downstream for us. From the overflow of the heart, the eyes look. From the overflow of the heart, the ears listen. From the overflow of the heart, the hands act or don't act. From the overflow of the heart, the feet move. Like our heart, our affections, our passions are what drives us. Jesus knew it. You know it. And I know it. And so in our struggle for sin, this author of Proverbs, this wise teacher says, above everything else that you do, guard your heart. Let's talk about that for just a minute. First thing I want to point out to you is that he says, above all else, guard your heart. In other words, more than all the other things that we could do, To please the Lord or try to do the right thing, we should guard our heart. So I'm just going to make a list. More important than attending church every Sunday, and I think that's super important. Like I think everybody needs to be in church every Sunday. I love our church family. I love community. I love family. It's better when you're here. Don't skip. But hey, look, I'm telling you, as much as I love church attendance, more than church attendance, guard your heart. More than battling against your passions, guard your heart, which the two are kind of bound up, but that's okay. More than stopping your hurtful words, guard your heart. Like the most intentional thing you can do, guard your heart. I just want to imagine for just a minute an illustration of this. When I was a kid, we used to play a game uh, called Capture the Flag. Anybody here ever played Capture the Flag? Raise your hand if you played Capture the Flag. Laura, if you and Preston uh, played Capture the Flag, who would who would win? Of course, you would. Um, the, the most competitive couple in our church. Um, I probably just like you'll drive by their house tonight. and You'll see two flags and like flashlights. We used to play capture the flag and flag when I was youth and college minister. Sometimes we'd we'd go uh, to the mountains and wrap the We'd play capture the flag in the woods, and people would get impaled on limbs and seriously injured. Probably was a very bad idea, but I was younger then. I loved capture the flag, and the way that you win capture the flag pretty simple is you sneak across the other person's territory like if you can imagine a 50 yard line of sorts you find their flag which sometimes they can hide depending on the rules that you set up and you get back across the 50 yard line with their flag and you you conquer them you won good job right now in capture the flag I mean you're going to wind up playing offense or defense right I mean somebody's going to say I'm going to get the flag and so that's the guy that's laid down in the thorn bushes crawling right you know like I'm invisible you cannot see me and then there's a couple of guys that are hiding, you know, in the trees or behind their flag to guard it. You come to get my flag, man, I'm coming for you, right? You got to guard the flag, you got to go get their flag. Two things going on at once. And the interesting thing is with the two fronts operating, I was always bad about forgetting our flag. I always wanted to get I'm just going. I'm going to get your flag, man. And if it took me more than 10 seconds, you had mine already. I mean, I I didn't pay attention. I didn't do a good job guarding what mattered most. I mean, if the flag falls, we fall. We're done. And I think we get busy, right, trying to do so many good things and, we, and trying to be the right person and trying to make a dollar and trying to raise our family and just trying to get through the day. We're doing so many things that sometimes we're distracted and we forget to guard the thing that matters the very most. And that's our own heart, like our inner affections for God. And a lot of us are forcing our faith because inside, we're not transformed right now. Or inside, we're not at rest. We're at turmoil. So we're trying super hard to be good. But we are so much at war with our inner self. And for a lot of us, we, what we need is this proverb. We forgot to guard the heart. We forgot the one thing that mattered most. Jesus told us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Jesus taught us, I can only serve one master. One. i got to choose God or money. The Bible's very clear that a pure heart is required for you and I to walk with Jesus, to walk this road of wisdom. And and this author, this wise teacher says, above everything else you're doing, guard your heart. Protect that, because everything comes from it. Now, what I want you to recognize here is, he says, above all else, this is your priority, but remarkably for you and I, when I start to think about our passions and our desires, stop and think about it. We are passive, typically, in choosing our desires. In other words, we don't ever stop and sit down with focused time to say, what do I love, and am I okay with it? Instead, we just kind of go wherever the wind takes us. We just say, well, I kind of am in love with you, and now I'm kind of out of love with you. I love this, I love that. Well, my, my feelings are changing. Like We don't ever really intentionally, actively guard our heart. And this proverb Author doesn't say watch and see where your heart takes you. He says guard it. If you don't defend it the enemy will steal it and you'll find that you love things that you should not love. Listen, everybody in this room knows what it's like to love the wrong things. Maybe you've maybe you've loved pornography, lust or sin. Maybe you've, you've loved something that you have an addiction for. You've loved a substance that made you feel good for. Maybe you've loved your pride or your success. Maybe you've loved your fame or popularity. Maybe you loved the feeling of strength and power that we get when we cut somebody down with a great sarcastic comment and watch them just dissolve away right in front of everybody's eyes and we get points in our social tribe for being clever. Maybe you have loved something sinful. And as that relationship goes on, you look in the mirror and you realize that it's begun to steal your life away. That's what it's like to walk this wide and winding path that the fool lives on. I've been on that road. You have too. But we're very passive about guarding and choosing our affections. We just sort of let them arise and we follow them. But rarely, rarely do we stop and monitor to say, do I love the right things today? So when this wise teacher said, guard your heart. I want to underline that word for us. Like, what if everybody in the sanctuary today stopped and like, we took inventory in this worship service of what we love and we're honest, not, not hypocritical, we didn't pretend, we didn't put on our Baptist smile and all say, Jesus, preacher, I love Jesus, I love him. I'm glad you do. But what if we stopped and we're honest and say, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I love football a little more than I should. Or I'll be honest with you, I love the outdoors more than I love Jesus. Or I love... You know, I, I love my family. I love my family too, but, but God first. Or I love my hobbies more than I love the Lord and his people. I love, you name it, career, reputation, sex, accolades, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. Like, what if we were honest? So, but then what if we all decided today to say, look, Ben, I'm not proud of where my heart is today. Like, I, I took a look at what I love. I don't love it. <laughs> what do I do about it? That's the beauty of the gospel is that you and I have a very hard time getting down here and changing ourselves from the inside. But the beautiful thing about the gospel is that that's exactly why Christ died and rose again and sent the Spirit. Because in our gospel, we believe that God actually helps transform us. Our dead hearts become live. And God changes us. The Bible tells us to renew our mind and our affection to fix our eyes on Christ. And I believe that God transforms us from the inside out. Sometimes it's all at once. For most of us, it's a little bit along the way. It's a long journey. But we can't change our affections very well. So I'm just asking you today, will you at least stop and evaluate them? Like, are you willing to guard your heart? So watch this. So if if you're Ash, where's Ash? My man Ash. Ash, you're eight right now, right, brother? Ash loves the Lord loves the Lord. And I, I admire that. Ash, I think that's something God gave you and I love it. I admire that. At eight years old, Ash loves the Lord and I'm proud. But I've watched people who love the Lord tremendously at eight years old. As they grew and got into middle school and started to feel some popularity or pressure, that love for the Lord became divided. It was love for the Lord and love for myself. And even farther downstream, those love, that love became even more divided or wholesale fell in love with worldly things. And and somebody who loved the Lord a great way at eight, or a great way at 14, when they're 24, you don't even see a spark of interest in their heart towards the Lord. What happened? They stopped guarding their heart. Like, if you don't guard your heart, if you don't protect your heart, I can tell you what's going to happen. Weeds are going to grow up, and it's going to fall apart. If you don't tend your garden, it's going to be overgrown. If you don't guard your heart, it's going to be ruled by somebody besides the living God. That's just the way sin and the devil works. I want to talk to you about guarding your heart. So in Bible school, we, uh, we've talked about animals a lot this week. We use animals to talk about the Lord. It's kind of fun. Well, I brought an animal last week into my sermon and the week before, too, just for fun, to, to, just to latch on to Bible school. I want to do the same thing today. I want to tell you about an animal that I have met. Okay, so I want you to take a look at this picture. Pat, have i got a picture. There we go. All right, now, who can tell me what animal— I brought today. Kids, can you tell me? All right, Cade, what you got? A crane. That is a crane. All right, so that's a crane. Um, I got to go fishing with a friend a little while back, and, and when I was fishing, I was, I was up one morning, I was trying to read my Bible and praying for all of y'all. You know, I was going down the list. Now, I was having my morning prayers, but anyway, so I was sitting out reading my Bible and praying, and I noticed this crane. Now, this crane and I had already become friends. I mean, I met the crane the day before when we were fishing. This crane is a brilliant and persistent crane. This crane by the way, the crane has even been named. He's such so common to the locals. His name is Fraser, and a few of you probably get that. And I, now, we, now we know who gets it and who doesn't. If you missed it, ask somebody after church. So Fraser the crane, enjoys fish. And he'll do anything to get a fish. Like if you caught a fish... You know, he's first he's like, hey, can I have a fish? You're like, no, I'm keeping this fish for bait. You put the fish in the live well for bait, you know. And then you look up, the next fish you catch, Frazier's got his wings out, he's strutting around, he's like, hey, I'm looking good. (laughs) How about a fish, you know? No, Frazier, I won't fall for that, right? And so then, you know, if you're busy and you drop your fish and you have to turn around, you look up and Frazier's like on as well. You're like, get away, Frazier. Okay, okay, okay. I just wanted a fish. That's all I needed was that fish. Frazier, persistent, persistent rascal, right? Wants a fish. Well, so I'm sitting there the next morning having my prayer time, and uh, here's the this is a brand new uh, bucket that's been put together for you know for bait. I mean, it's just created the day before, so Fraser never saw it before. But Fraser started to notice when the sun got up that he could see the shadows of fish swimming by the edge of the bucket, and he thought, <laughs> put fish in a barrel like in real terms for Fraser. So Fraser stood over there beside it, and he was watching him. He's like, oh that hurt, oh that hurt, that didn't work. And so then Fraser said, I've got to figure this out. So he, I watched him hop up. My quiet time was not that productive. I watched him get up on top of the, of the barrel and just look like longingly, man, I wish I could get a fish if I could only get a fish. Fraser is cunning. He's tried everything. He knows every trick in the book. And eventually he just waited till the fish kind of got lazy. He found one that was close enough. He held his breath, and he went for it, buddy. I mean deep. And he came up with the fish that he has in his mouth. And I decided it's time to guard the bucket. I went and put a net over it so he couldn't get in it. I bring Fraser to you today because I want to let you know that I believe that evil is not passive, that evil is active. I believe our default nature is to move towards selfishness and pleasure, which leads us to sin. But more radically than that, I do believe in a devil who schemes. The New Testament teaches us to be on our guard against the devil who schemes against us. So I believe that evil is intelligent. It's not passive and random. I believe the devil has schemes for us. And just like Frazier, if you don't guard your heart, he's going to find a way to get you. It'll start with you just stepping away from your Sunday school class or missing church. It'll start with something that seems innocent, just a good time, just a party, just fitting in. It'll start with something that you've got well under control. But you'll look up ten years later and you'll recognize that your heart does not beat for the Lord anymore. That a thousand other things govern and rule it, but you forgot to guard your heart. And the devil won for the day. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you've kind of given into that before. Maybe your heart has been snatched away for a moment. But what I want to ask you today is, are you ready to guard it and give it back to the Lord? Like, are you ready to let God transform you from the inside out? The power of the ministry of Jesus Christ is, as he came and healed and raised the dead and taught about God, he was constantly confronted with religious hypocrites with people who looked good on the outside but were dead on the inside but the difference was he was coming to bring not just a religion but he was coming to give people a relationship with God who could change your heart from the inside out with a gospel that could take over and cure and heal our inner disease of sin and so what I'm asking you today is like I want to ask you to give your heart Christ and I want you to know that that matters more than everything else you'll do in your life and I'm not saying that just because when you die you won't go to hell you'll go to heaven I'm saying that because the entire rest of your life the path that you choose All the decisions you'll make, the peace that you'll feel or not feel, the things that will drive your worship or your lack of worship, your care for the poor, your lack of care for the poor, the thing that will determine everything else is your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because it is the wellspring of life. From it, everything flows. If your heart belongs to the Lord, totally to the Lord, then you will follow and you will love Him. And you won't have to talk yourself into it. Maybe what you need for your quiet time today is is less. How many verses can you read and more? Guard my heart, Lord. Let it be yours only. When I pray the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name, the first thing I pray every time is, God, let my heart hold you as holy. Let your name be holy in me. And don't ever let me lose sight of that. Brothers and sisters, above all else, guard your heart because Everything flows out of it. So, today, if you choose to allow your affections to be torn between worldly things and God Himself, then your life is going to be a wrestling match, a war within. And I'm telling you today, not that it makes your life easy, it doesn't take away your struggle or your suffering, but I'm telling you that the most important thing that any one of us can do today as a response to our hour of worship, is that we would decide to guard our heart, to check it, to give ourselves a spiritual EKG and make sure that we still love the living God with a pure and undivided heart. I don't walk around the sanctuary and ask each one of you. I don't ask you to turn in a card that says, I love Lord 28% today. I'm just asking you. I'm asking you to evaluate your own heart and ask God, where are you? Are you going through motions here? Are you trying to do the right thing on the outside, even though on the inside you're, you're not where you want to be? So I'm asking you today, would you give your heart totally to the Lord? Now, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord, you haven't taken your first steps of faith, you've never celebrated baptism, you've never asked for salvation, today you're lost and far from God. And it's okay because you can change it right now. Because you can ask God for salvation and give Him your life. And so if that's you then your first step today is give your heart to the Lord. I'll be here. Mike and Reed will be standing up here with me. The altars are here, are open, and there's a dozen Christians around you that love you and would love to pray with you. So if today is the day of your salvation, give your life to the Lord today. Don't leave. Like Give your life to the Lord today and let us celebrate baptism to you with you just like we'll celebrate baptism three times today. Now, second, maybe there's a lot of us in the room that we gave our life to the Lord We know we're saved. We know that if we died, we would be in heaven, not hell. But we also realize that God's honor and His glory and His person, there's so much more than just us going to heaven when we die. And if we're honest with you, we'll tell you that right now our heart is divided. That we have allowed it to love petty, silly things of the world more than we love the living God. And we're ashamed of that today. So for you, maybe your next step today, is just to ask God to come to you and in the power of His Spirit to take your heart back for you to start a journey where you wake up every morning and say, Lord, guard my heart. It's yours. It doesn't belong to anybody else but you and I'm determined to protect it, Lord. I'll guard it until the day we die. I want to ask you to do your business with the Lord. Will you bow your heads with me all over the sanctuary just now? I want to ask you just to search your heart and your mind and allow God to speak to you for a moment. Allow God to tell you what He wants you to do for your next step of faith. And now let me pray for you. In just a moment, I'll let you come forward if you want. If God's prompting your heart to come pray at the altars behind me, please come. If He's prompting your heart to come pray with me or Reed or Mike, please come. We'd love to serve you, but let me pray for you. Father, I give you thanks for the baptisms we've celebrated today, for the work that you have done to redeem Eli and Ash, and for the way they glorified you, Lord, by showing that today. God, I ask now that you pour out your Holy Spirit over each of us, Lord, that you would show us where we are with you, and that you would change us from the inside out, and let us give our hearts to you, Lord. Let us discover who we'll be if we walk the path of wisdom And allow you to protect our heart for our whole lives. God, show us who we would be if we didn't chase after the world's dreams. But really lived totally in love with you. I ask your grace over every person today, Lord. As we consider this. We wait on your hand and your spirit and your strength to move. And we ask now, God, that you would show us our next step. And give us the courage to take it. It's in Christ's name we pray together.